Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Blair, wife, mother of three, author of Holistic Wealth, and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. The show will showcase various experts in the key pillars of holistic wealth. Each week, we deliver the best information on how to become holistically wealthy and live your best life. And today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Andrea Owen. And Andrea is a best selling author, a podcaster. She is a mom of two. She's amazing. She's a global speaker. And her books have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Andrea, it's so amazing to have you here. It's so nice to be here, too, Keisha. Thanks for having me on. So, Andrea, I have been getting into your books and you have an amazing personal story. So you've been through setbacks, some, you know, hard setbacks like most of us. And you wrote that, you know, back in 2007, you had gone through a breakup. He left you. And this was just one year after you had gone through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Wanted to just ask you about that because I thought from a financial perspective, that must have been very hard. Not only want to just build back from the ground up from that. But then to launch a successful business after that. And of course, the emotional aspect must have been very hard. Could you walk us through what it was like to have as a woman, to have a man, yeah. get you through all of that, take the money and having to build back up from that? It was to give you the short version for people that haven't read the book. So I, I, I wasn't even officially or legally divorced yet. My husband, my first husband, I had an affair with our neighbor and got her pregnant while we were talking about trying to conceive our first child. We'd been together for 13 years at that point. And so we split up and I started dating someone right away. And the long and short of that is that I got conned. I, you know, this is something that happens to not just women, it happens to people. And afterwards, I had to sort of pick myself up and the financial part of it, if we're going to just look at that specifically, and really all the way around that my self-talk at the time was that I kept calling myself a stupid girl. You know, this is just, how could I have been so stupid? And the really kind of frustrating part about it, Keisha, is that, you know, there's that documentary on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler. And there's there's all kinds, of, like we're fascinated with crime stories like this, right? Yeah. And the overwhelming commentary that I see about it coming from all genders is, how could she have been so stupid? You know, how could she have not known? And so- I want to just say for anyone out there who's listening, who has had that happen to them, I understand. And we are smart, intelligent women that this happens to and smart, intelligent men. It's not that we're stupid. It's that typically, and I can only speak from my own experience, but I was in such a vulnerable place emotionally and mentally. And these people tend to be masterminds at what they do. They look for people just like me who are in those vulnerable places. They're very charming. They tend to be very good looking and like everything looks great on the outside. They don't immediately on the first date ask us, you know, for $10,000 or, you know, hey, can we just put everything on your credit card in this relationship? Like, no, that's not how it works. Right. Like, of course, <laughs> I would have said no. No, right. <laughs> it's a slow process that happens over time. And when it was all said and done, and I had to look at my finances. 
and please trust me when I tell you like this took a long time is that I had to learn how to have a lot of forgiveness for myself and a lot of compassion just to forgive the person that I was at the time who was really in such a desperate place trying to get her needs met. We all do desperate things when we're feeling that way. Like we make decisions that we normally wouldn't be making if we were in a healthy relationship or of sound mind. So it's hard to get past the self-judgment as well as the judgment from other people. And I, I wanted to kind of kick it off that way just by saying like, you don't know the reason people make the decisions that they make. And please don't judge people because everyone listening has made choices that they're not proud of. <laughs> if we could go back, we would do it differently. But yeah, that's where I was just in a in a mountain of debt as well as a place of self-loathing. And that's where I had to work my way out of. Absolutely. And you're so right. It's so easy to be so hard on ourselves, but self-compassion and empathy Always, always, always very, very beneficial. So Andrew, you mentioned that he left you with none of the money, but all of the debt. Right. How did you deal with that debt in terms of getting that paid off and mm -hmm. and not only just paying off that, but trying to build up for yourself yeah. some money in the bank? How did you deal with that? Yeah. And it was also a terrible time just economically in the country. I mean, this happened in 2007. And we all yes, know it happened in exactly. 2008. Yes. And so coming out of that after a couple of years had passed, I had I had personal debt of my own as well. And I actually used a company that is one of those like debt consolidation companies where they negotiate. And from what I understand, like you can do this on your own as as well. Like you don't need to have a debt consolidation company do this for you, but they they call all your credit cards and of course they close them and they negotiate, especially the credit cards, you know, like the department store credit cards that are like a 24, 25% interest rate. And they negotiate with them, get your interest rate down. And then it's just one lump payment that you're making. And I paid off $60,000 worth of debt. I think it took me about five years. If I remember wow. correctly, we mm -hmm. started paying that off in 2011. I believe. And it was, yeah, took a few years. And, but that way, you know, there was no bankruptcy involved or anything like that. And it helped build my credit back up. But once I was out from under that, it felt amazing <laughs> to not have to have that anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's good. I mean, you had a plan and you really just tackled it and got to yeah. pay it off. Well, I ignored it for a couple of years. Like, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I completely, when you were on my podcast, I asked that question, yes. like, what would you say to someone who sticks their head in the sand? And because right. I was that person and I know I'm not the only one that does that. Like I was just paying the minimum balance. I was making my payments. I wasn't just throwing the bills in the trash, but I was making the minimum payment. And also like in the back of my mind, knowing that if I just kept doing that, I was going to be in debt for likely the rest of my life. Yeah. And I finally was like, okay, I want to be able to buy a house, all of these things that I wanted to do. I also had two yet small children. And so I sat down one day and looked at everything. And then that's when I decided that uh, a friend of mine had used the debt consolidation company. So that's how it started. Yeah, no, that's good. And it must have changed, you know, when it happened, you know, when he did that to you, it must have changed your personal relationship with money somehow. Like I'm just putting myself in your shoes and I'm thinking you must have been thinking to yourself, this is terrible that I'm left with this. 
How did it change your personal relationship with money, Andrew, and how? I remember us discussing money trauma. I'm just wondering how it did and if and how and at what point did you start thinking about it differently? You know, it's funny, many years ago, and when I was in my early 20s, I had um, a boss and she and I was upset one day about... I had booked a hotel at some fancy hotel and it was like $250 or something. And this was the late 90s. So that was a ton of money for me at the time. And something had happened where I couldn't go and I could not get a refund. And I was so upset about it. And she said to me, it's just money. She's like, just try on the you know perspective. I don't know if she used that word, but she, you know, she just kept saying it's just money. I felt like she was trying to be dismissive of you know, it's like, well, she makes more money than, than I can. So it's easy for her to say that, but she was trying to teach me a lesson of like, there's nothing you can control about this situation right now. So what if it just was money? Like, what if that's the attitude you had about it? So I took that on for a long time and I really looked at it from that perspective up until about 2015. And so we had, I think we had just paid off the debt at that point, or we're very close to it. And I went to, I was actually speaking at an event, a multi-day long event. And I went to a workshop as a participant, a woman who did family constellation therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's interesting, Yes, but it, it was around the topic of money. And she said, okay, so we got into partners and she she's had us each kind of role play. It was my turn. And my partner was representing money to me and they were about six feet away from me. And she said, okay, the money person or is going to start taking steps forward. What are you going to do? And I said, I'm actually going to turn my body because I don't want you in front of me. I want you to the side. And I don't know where that came from. So it was just this in, very interesting exercise. And what I gleaned from it was that it's never just money. Yes. Yes. It's true. It's never just it's money. It's never just money. We have an emotional relationship with money. And sometimes that relationship, just like it is with people, is pretty messed up. Yeah. And what I what I took away from that was that I have always wanted money to be in like my peripheral vision. Like I wanted to know it was there, but I never really wanted to face it. I never wanted it to be right in front of me. I didn't want to look at it, but I always wanted it to be there, which is ridiculous, right? Like yeah. if this was a friend. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true, right? I'm going to treat you terribly. I'm going to exactly. use you, exactly. and, but I never want you to leave me. And if you do, then it's all your fault. You know, yeah. just yeah. so it was such an awakening. And that's when I really started to kind of do quote unquote money work where I was buying books on the topic and, and trying to heal this relationship that I have with money. And it's, and I'm sure you talk about this on your show, like it's never done <laughs> just like any personal development, you know, yeah. every time I've reached an income plateau, I'm like, Oh, well, there's money work to be done. And I'm in it right now. The pandemic was really difficult for me financially as, as someone who goes and speaks at events when everything's shut down. <laughs> So it's it's never done, but it it can it can help so much. I know you did the personal financial identity quiz that I developed, and I normally ask this uh, question to guests, and I I just wanted you to share it now, just because we're so deep into this, and I'm finding this conversation so enlightening, Andrea, with your money story. So could you just share for us what yours was and and how did it resonate with you? Your results, like did you did were you like yes, this is it. Um, I can see this uh, how, you know, in terms of my own life. I am the risk taker and it doesn't surprise me at all because I very much, you know, what's interesting though? I don't like to gamble like in Las Vegas. I think just because it's boring. 
it was more fun. Absolutely. Positively. But I've always been a big risk taker, which I kind of half joke is great for entrepreneurship. It is terrible for drugs, alcohol, and men. But you know, what's also interesting is I don't know if this is the case with your other risk takers. I hand everything over to my, my financial planner and I trust her implicitly. And I don't like to look at the numbers though, because then that makes me anxious. So I don't know if that makes me more of like the anxious spender and investor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not though. Like if, if she tells me like, here's what I think we should do. I'm like, go for it. Like I do not agonize over it. I don't even want to see the data. Yes. Which again, I'm very trusting in that way, which can, you know, lead to mistakes. But, um, I think when it comes to wealth management, being a, a natural risk taker, has its perks for sure. It does. It does. And I'm the risk taker too. So I oh, can you tell are? You, okay. I am. I am. So I can tell you that. Yeah, I can definitely see how you would be. And no, I think if you were the anxious spender slash investor, you would be more anxious about turning over or just implicitly just trusting someone. So I, I can definitely see that. And in terms of entrepreneurship and, and taking those risks, as you mentioned. So Andrea, like you mentioned too, that, you know, in your books, you discuss some, some habits that we all need to embrace, right. In terms of our lives to grow, especially as women, when we doubt ourselves. And I just wanted to ask you to give two or three tips if you could, I mean, both books have amazing tips. I just leaning on you to walk us through two or three tips so that we can, you know, you know, step out into the world, claim our space more courageously and more boldly. So how can we do that? Yeah, it's one of those, again, a, a lifelong sort of journey, but it begins with getting really curious about things. And one of the questions, and it's really the main question that I ask in the introduction of my last book, Make Some Noise, is to ask yourself, anytime you're hesitating to call a financial advisor or you know make that investment or even like speak up in a meeting or follow your gut instincts when on the first date, your intuition is telling you not to continue dating this person, (laughs) which is what happened to me. And you're hesitating, you know, ask yourself, what is my conditioning versus what is my truth? And the reason that I pose that question is because for women, it's obvious that our conditioning has told us to not make waves, to not make too much noise, to not rock the boat. Don't be disagreeable. Definitely don't be difficult to be demure and quiet and also to put other people's comfort before our own. I mean, this is many times why we don't say no. I mean, that's why we don't say no to men. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm speaking heteronormatively here, for, but it's our conditioning and our socialization has programmed us to be people who please at the extent, at the cost of our own values. So that's one of my my main questions I want to ask your listeners is, you know, to ask yourself, what is my conditioning versus what, my, what is my truth? And speaking of values, that's something that I talk about in all three of the books that I've written. I think I, I, can't, I can't walk away from writing a self-help book without talking about that. And when I do workshops or speak about values, I always ask people, it's one thing to profess the name of your values, but you have to get very clear on what that looks like to you. You know, if you're, if you, you know, as a risk taker, I don't know about you, Keisha, but like maybe you have a value around adventure or something like that. Maybe it's around fun. And what does that look like specifically for you? Because it might look different 
for me than it does for you. And I want people to get very clear on what their values look like so that when it comes to making decisions that are difficult, you can ask yourself, how is this in alignment with my values? And the last tip I'll I'll leave you with is to really think about your self-talk. And this is where that compassion comes in. Is your self-talk telling you that you're not smart enough to retire at 45 years old or that you aren't you know, wealthy enough to have a financial advisor, that you're... All these things that are made-up stories that keep us down and hold us back from making decisions that could be really worthwhile. I always always warn people too. I call it the ultimate ass kicker. Like when you when you become self-aware enough to start to notice your negative self-talk, sometimes you can start beating yourself up for that. And that's what I don't want to have happen. Beating yourself up for beating yourself up. It's like, yes. well, first you have to sort of like turn the lights on to see what the quote unquote mess is that needs to be cleaned up and take that with a heavy dose of self-compassion. You have been programmed to speak to yourself this way. As humans, we have a negativity bias. It is how our brains work. It is how we have survived for so long for looking out for things that are scary or things that are are negative that could be harmful. So you're totally normal. You're totally normal. And you will continue to have some negative bias, but I, I invite people to get curious about it and see where it's holding them back so you can hopefully shift it. Absolutely. And I so agree. And so much of what you're saying resonates with me so much because I'm actually working through students with trauma right now. And it's amazing. I saw this quote, Andrea, that says unhealed trauma can cause you to excuse, ignore, or downplay mistreatment because you have survived the worst. Healing helps you recognize your worth and raise your standards on how you should be treated. And when you, you know, just started off your response just now, and you spoke to that, you know, I just had to put that quote in there because it just spoke to so much of what you were saying. And it's so important that we do that work to become more self-aware, as you said, so that we can advocate for ourselves, especially as women, especially when it comes on to our money, our finances and our well-being, right? So Andrea, you mentioned that COVID-19 was hard on, on your finances, hard on your business, was speaking. How did you cope with that? And how did you pivot, you know, during that period? I actually didn't pivot. So many of my colleagues were pivoting very quickly and mm-hmm. gracefully and beautifully. And my mental health, to be for the sake of complete transparency, my mental health went completely downhill. I also started getting physical symptoms, which I found out later after about 18 months of doctor visits and blood tests and trying to figure out why I felt so terrible. I found out I had an autoimmune disorder, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so I was not well. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it. Like yeah. I didn't pivot. Not, I wouldn't necessarily say I retired my husband in 2019, but we had been working towards having him be the stay-at-home parent. And we made that up. <laughs> Wait till I tell you the dates. So 2019, we started talking about it around right. the holidays. So he gave notice at his job on February 29th, 2020. It was a leap year that year. So his last day was March 13th, 2020. And I panicked. I was like, what have we done? Yeah. You know, we were leaving behind health insurance, um, his steady paycheck. And so it was talk about anxiety running through me. And so I had both a mental and emotional and physical spiral in 2020. And so 
it was a lot of healing. And, and I, I say that story, A, because I always am really honest with people. And also I think, you know, and I've been talking to different therapists about this and what they saw in, in a lot of their clients over the pandemic is that it kicked up a lot for us. You know, it was so scary and with so many people dying and the civil unrest that happened that year as well, it triggered so many things. And I honestly think that that's what triggered my autoimmune. It had yeah. just been laying dormant for a long time. And then I got sick and, and I also hired a new trauma therapist to, to go through some of the, the things that I had been through in my divorce 15 years ago to do some somatic healing. Cause I had never really, I had never really dove into that before, like the somatic end of it. I had done a lot of talk therapy. So that was a very long answer, but um, it wasn't pretty. I'm, and I'm not going to pretend that it was. And so um, my husband did go back to work this year, which has been enormously helpful financially, but it was really hard also on my ego. My ego took a huge hit because I felt like a failure. Like I couldn't, I couldn't manage to be the sole breadwinner, which had been my goal for so long. And it got taken away from me. So there's been a lot of stuff happening, but still I rise, you know, as the, as the late Dr. Maya Angelou says. Absolutely. Like, honestly, like, and it's so amazing, Andrea, when you talk that, it leads me to think about holistic wealth because when we started this episode, you know how you mentioned how money is just so much more than money. It's never money alone. It's always about our emotions. And that's so true. Also, when we have our goals, even our financial goals, like financial, uh, you know, like retirement, early retirement, that things can happen. Things will happen that throws a wrench into our plans. There's nothing wrong with changing and with, you know, doing things differently than we had imagined. Cause Nobody has a timeline on when sickness happens. And, and so many people went through what you went through during COVID-19. It's unbelievable. And so, Andrea, any last words as we wrap up in terms of listeners and people listening in and thinking, you know, this really resonates with me. You know, how do I move forward? Because so many people are in that situation that you faced where, you know, life just throws these curveballs. So any words of advice for those listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, the first one is sort of what I've been peppering in throughout our conversation, Keisha, is, is be kind to yourself. We all need heavy doses of it all the time. And I think especially now as we're you know still in, in this pandemic, although many days it feels like we're not, but just enormous amounts of kindness and self-compassion, as well as, as take a good look at your support system. Like who are the people in your life who who show up for you and you can show up for them and hear you and see you and all of your, you know, the curveballs hitting you in the face and, <laughs> and the blood, sweat and tears and also the joyous moments and the fun moments. And, and I, 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 ha I lean heavily on humor to get me through sometimes a little too much. My therapist would say, but I think that humor can be healing and it, and it really takes the right support system within all of that. Absolutely. And so Andrea, where can listeners find you on social media and your website? I met Hey Andrea Owen on all the socials, including TikTok, which is one of my faves. And I met AndreaOwen.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And my podcast, which you were on, which you yes. were a guest. The podcast yes. is called Make Some Noise. But thank you so much for joining us, Andrea. I mean, your story was amazing and 
the tips and insights are wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing those with our audience this week. My pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us this week on Holistic Wealth with Keisha Blair. Make sure to visit our website, KeishaBlair.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Are you a member of the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If not, what are you waiting for? Go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to choose your membership plan and join. As a member, you get so many perks. Free worksheets, advice, coaching, and a member's workshop to design an intentionally designed life. You need to figure out your life purpose? Take the Build Your Life Purpose Portfolio online self-paced course. You're struggling with all your money decisions? Take the free financial identities quiz and then take the course. You recently had a breakup, job loss, or experienced the death of a loved one? Take the holistic healing course. You need an overall plan to achieve holistic wealth? We will help you figure out your holistic wealth blueprint. And of course, if you want to start making money by helping others achieve holistic wealth, become a certified holistic wealth consultant. Regardless of what career you've got, the Institute will show you how to increase your income and walk in your purpose. The sooner you join, the sooner you start to achieve a more holistically wealthy lifestyle. And you're going to want to stay for a very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning, best-selling Holistic Wealth 32 Life Lessons to Help You Find Purpose, Prosperity, and Happiness. 